Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Innovation Conversation. In this episode, we talk about a possible new way that road signs could be beamed to your car, a new GPS walking stick, as well as one of Coca-Cola's biggest mistakes. You can find us at www.innovationnetwork.online. We really hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Innovation Conversation. We're joined at Grant Vernon. Episode six, we made it. We made it. <laughs> yeah. And a bit late. We're a bit late. Again. We're a bit late. We're sorry, but we made it. A bit late. Yeah. <laughs> we we yeah we made it. That's the that's the important thing. Um, and a bit later on, we're going to be joined by Chad Smith and Rodi Vonk, and of course, I am Connor Wakefield. So, uh, shall we just dive right into it, Grant? Do you have the first time for us? Yeah, I do. So um, I wanted to talk to you about a corporate innovation, and this one is too cool as an example. Um, we see large corporates trying to work better with startup entrepreneurs, tackle social issues, but it's really tough to be a multi-billion dollar corporation and engage on that level. Uh, and uh, the innovation that I, I found for today is called Henry, and it's a project developed by Nestle, where Nestle... Um, collaborate with startup entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, um, and create these projects that make the world a better place. Um, and the website is amazing to just go and take a look at, see what they do and how they do it. Uh, there's projects with uh, entrepreneurs in, in Egypt, which drive Nestle sales, but cut down on traffic jams, um, using AI to make customer interactions more rewarding. Um, taking action to replace pl plastic straws. And uh, it tells you how they do it. So they put out these challenges. Uh, they fund sometimes up to 50,000 uh, US dollars and then partner the social and startup entrepreneurs with Nestle corporate execs to fast track these projects. And there's some awesome success stories on there. So it's a great example of um, co-creation, a little bit of open innovation and yeah. large multinationals cooperating with startup entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so, I mean, how, how would you say that that differs from like regular angel investing from big big corporates? Do you, do you think that this has a sort of unique factor to it? Like that, that's a selling point or? Um, it's not unique in the world, but it's a really nice angle for sort of corporate social responsibility plus innovation, uh, plus startup uh, corporate sort of cross-pollination. Uh, it ticks a whole lot of boxes. Um, yeah. And even though Nestle is multi-billion dollar, it's a model that I think anyone, no matter what the size of your business is, could take and use. Um, and sometimes the yeah. very best outcome from this is probably the, the startup pollination into the big corporate uh, plus doing something good, plus innovation. Um, very, very cool. Yeah, so, so having an, an initiative like this with, and sort of sprinkling that innovation dust on it, um, I guess it's sort of mutually beneficial and, and sort of kickstarts into into grand new things sort of thing. Um, because that, that way, you know, um, you can sort of see so many different avenues and while um, being a cause for good in the world. So I think that's so cool. Yeah, and, and some of them actually create a commercial value plus a... Your social impact which is also yeah. neat you know whereas often they're compartmentalized so this is corporate social responsibility this is innovation this is uh, sort of uh, open innovation um 
and this one sort of blends them together which i yeah. think is pretty neat i suppose there's no reason why corporate responsibility can't be a win-win you know yeah. uh, benefit both parties so yeah that's really interesting yeah and create a uh, a commercial benefit as well you know yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Everyone wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. That's so amazing. <laughs> awesome. Are you ready to jump into uh, the next topic or do you have any more thoughts? I uh, know that's an awesome one. Um, road signs that could be ditched and beamed straight into your car. Connor, tell me a little bit about this one. Yeah, so this one's really interesting. So uh, Highways England, which I, I find an interesting name because England doesn't have any highways, but still cool <laughs> name. <laughs> highways England, I, um, I'm not entirely sure what they do, but um, I think they're sort of like a road safety type of organisation or, or something like that. Um, and, and they're sort of using the power of 5G um, to sort of um, test an experiment whether we could ditch the traditional sort of traffic signs and just um beam beam those sort of uh cues right into the car so um we already have this sort of stuff you, you'll notice if you if you're driving with your google maps on it will tell you the speed limit and things like that so that, so this is just that on on a whole new level sort of thing um it would essentially be so in sync with with where you are on the road that it's it's sort of um it's totally safe to use in, in a real application if you know what i mean um and and it will just tell you all the information you need that i i personally don't drive i don't have my driver's license so i'm not sure what, what sort of things you do need but um uh yeah all those sort of required stuff straight to the car on, on a sort of user interface so so grant would you use this or Oh, there's a few people in my street, Connor, that definitely yeah. need a stop sign like being into <laughs> their car. Um, but I, I, I love that uh, we're starting to play with VR, the power of 5G, safety. Uh, I love all the, that. So this plays beautifully into that. Um, sad story, got to tell you this one. Um, I was at the Lego store the other day and uh, talking about this VR type link. Um, you take a Lego box and you hold it in front of a scanner and it brings the box to life in a 3D VR, uh, like... Um, I think you'll find that's in, augmented reality. Oh, it is, it is. <laughs> Sorry, over 40. It's, <laughs> but um, very, very cool. And I imagine the power of a stop sign popping up on your dashboard is going to make yeah. you take a lot more notice than... Uh, a static sign somewhere so i love that yeah definitely and, made and it, me buy more lego <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just came out with a whole little lego. oh yeah because you see them in action right yeah yeah no um so yeah I, I think this is um this is great i mean what why not you know we don't have to tear tear down all of the the road signs um mm. by the time it comes out you know there'll, there'll be none of that it, it could just be an extra sort of precaution at the start and if it turns into replacing signs that that'll be cool as well um i mean the the one concern is that this would probably be in in you know with how long it takes to test that this could be in action for a whole like year or two until sort of self-driving cars take over yeah and they'll be yeah. irrelevant anyway but <laughs> uh, still a still a cool case study though very cool definitely cool, it's still and, a and you know what study, i love yeah. about ideas like this is it often just mm -hmm. sparks something else so yeah if it's not highway science someone's going to get a spark of like i could do that you know? yeah i mean this, this whole project even if they uh it doesn't turn out to be viable um then they can pivot which is a a good sort of innovation language to use yeah. And, yeah. and something good could come on the project overall you know it could yeah. be a cool product i'm imagining even if it was just traffic slowing by schools you know and you just mm. got this ping you know yeah you 
sky's the limit with this sort of stuff sky's limit yeah cool. yeah pivot into yeah. anything with that yeah cool. awesome so um i think we'll go into the innovation of the week now uh my favorite segment i think oh it's too cool I just love and, and, and we're going from we work to we walk right <laughs> yes we walk yeah that's it um so we walk is a tagline a smarter cane so um blind people um obviously t- tons of accessibility with with getting around as a blind person um it's, it's, it's obviously really hard for them so um a company sort of did a, a walking cane w- w- and injected a lot of tech into it so um essentially what it is is um and and i i'm not entirely sure on the, on the details of the user interface of it um i'm i'm, I'm being quite perplexed on how they did it but um apparently it's it's sort of like um google maps integrated right um wow. so it's, G- it's gp gps enabled um and the blind person can sort of um navigate uh a, a a gps map system um in in a sort of big city and 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 uh somehow this cane will um guide the the, the blind person um to, to the right areas sort of thing um, and makes their navigation a lot easier um another feature which i think is really cool is that i, I think it's infrared rays um that it uses um and and it will sort of project them above the the cane user's head um and just make sure that there's no objects there that that they could bang their head on which i i, I imagine would be really useful you know um so i really like this one uh what do you think about this i love it Uh, i've got a text chair from the guide dogs association workers union could be some legal issues there but uh, (laughs) other than that it's super right so it's a whole lot of different technologies blended into one um that really helps a user segment that has a great pain um and it's pretty cheap and pretty simple to implement right so yeah so it's it's interesting um in, in terms of cheapness uh $500 which is cheap if you think about if you compare it to a guide dog right yeah, yeah. that's um training a guide dog is so expensive you yeah, know yeah. um and, and i mean the the charities that sort of collect money for, for training guide dogs is, is worth every penny right now because they're they're really valuable um however you know for, for uh, a certain customer base it, this this is a really good cheaper option you know well um, life, for 500 bucks it's life changing right or at least yeah. life enabling that's amazing yeah, yeah so uh, super accessible um it, 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 I, I could see it bring real value so uh, i feel this is gonna nudge robo sloth out of first place <laughs> uh, I, I think leader of light is first place but yeah. i think robo sloth has a, a real place in our heart, doesn't in it? Our heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh let's give simplicity first of all shall we uh, what do you think out of 10 oh um i'm gonna give it a nine nine yeah uh yeah i gotta say nine because um it's like imagine... quite sorry yeah like advanced tech made yeah. simple simple yeah, interface yeah. yeah yeah definitely um because i mean I, i'm looking at the picture of it and, and there is, is there's not a single screen on it mm. uh that, that sounds obvious but yeah, yeah. You, you never know these things so so it, yeah it must be sort of navigatable to a to a blind person so let's go nine yeah uh impact uh yeah what do you think? I think that would be a 10 for someone with that need yeah I that's think so. pretty life-changing man yeah. yeah so i mean if if you look at the the user as someone who is say uh blind um yeah I, i'm not sure if uh if, if blind blindness comes in in different levels but blind blind to the point where they would need a guide dog however can't afford a blind dog i i think the impact would be yeah a solid 10 right yeah or, or even just to um 
to supplement it. You know, you might have a slight visual impairment or you might have other tools, but um, for the price, it's a, it's a yeah. massive difference. Yeah. I suppose may, maybe, I have no idea how it works again, but maybe someone doesn't qualify for a blind dog. Maybe, mm. uh, you know, maybe they're only for a certain level of blindness. Um, and then this is a, an accessible tool that for people who actually don't qualify for, for that sort yeah. of support yeah. on, on the level. Yeah, I guess it says uh, helping visually impaired and blind people navigate a digital world without juggling a smartphone. So I love mm. that because you you would need um, you'd need the yeah that the, uh, the yeah map function yeah all yeah. that. Yeah. So so smartphones do have a lot of blind person accessibility incorporated mm. in them. However, this this would probably uh, blend everything together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's go for the last one. Ease to implement. Um, I guess there's. A learning sort of curve for, for the blind person yeah and i mean I'm to thinking, set it up the research behind this must have been massive to get it to work. yeah yeah what should we go thinking? seven yeah sold yeah seven amazing so yeah that's really good innovation nine out of ten for simplicity ten out of ten for impact and then ease to implement just just dwindling a little bit down to, to seven out of ten so really solid yeah. cool amazing um so that wraps up this segment of the podcast um if you want to stay tuned we'll have a uh, Rody Vonk and Chad Smith joining and we're going to go through a whole range of topics so I hope you join us for the second part of this podcast amazing thanks Kyle okay welcome back everybody so for this segment of the podcast we've got Rody Vonk say hi Rody hi everybody hi and we've got Chad Smith hi everybody okay so uh kicking off this segment of the podcast I think we're going to start with Chad are you up for giving us your innovation failure of the week I am always ready. Okay, so we are going a little bit uh, controversial this week. I mean, everybody in, in their time has had a Coca-Cola. And as we all know, Coca-Cola is one of the biggest companies out there. But Coca-Cola has also made a share of mistakes. Um, now, Coca-Cola, since its inception in, what was it, 1886, um, has its secret recipe that somewhat changed, but it never changed its core taste until April of 1985, where it actually discontinued original Coke and started new Coke. Um, this was met by many, many people not liking this and the fact that they discontinued the product that made them so successful in the market um, angered many people. Um, to the point where they received thousands upon thousands of complaints every wow. single day. One person even started a lawsuit in order, order for them to bring it back. So this only lasted 79 days. That's how bad it got. Um, so I think it was in July of 1985 when they brought back the new the original recipe and uh, sort of had to apologize to everybody. Um, and the original recipe has not changed since. Wow. Um, yeah, this was a big, big doozy. Yeah. But I, in my opinion, they, they just could have done some things differently. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, yeah. but if they kept the original and sort of added this as a new product, um, yeah, so it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, in in innovation, we so much talk about how important it is to introduce changes 
um, on, on a sort of quick level. So um, this is really interesting because they, they, they tried changing something and it totally backfired on them. Um, so, I mean, I suppose it's not surprising, is it? Because Coca-Cola, such an old company, and, and when you, you're around for that long, you're bound to make a colossal failure like that. Um, so it's nothing for them to be ashamed of, I suppose. But um, Rodi, do, do you think you could bring a sort of innovation expert perspective on this? What would you think they did wrong here? Well, it's, it's, it could have been that they wanted to innovate because they thought they needed to innovate. And uh, um, don't say that was the case here, but you, you could look at from that perspective. Uh, and and if, you, if you look at innovation in general, you see a lot of times that organizations uh, are innovating because they think they need to innovate. And I don't say they don't have to innovate, but you have to make sure that you know why you're doing it. What's your strategy? and don't just do stuff because you think you need to do stuff you know and what it also shows um it made me think of a chat of, of a story f um, about peanut butter uh well-known brand peanut butter um uh, i think it was calvay and um, they did a similar thing they changed the recipe and they got these angry letters coming in and actually one person said you took away my memories you know so this, wow. this shows how strong uh, a brand positioning and the taste can be in people's yeah. minds. So when you want to change something and you want to innovate, uh, make sure that you uh, understand uh, if, you're if you're solving an actual problem here or that you're just doing damage, you know? So right. that's, that's, that's my learning yeah. from this case. Okay, kind of the saying, don't fix yeah. what's not broken sort of thing. And, and in exactly. this case, don't innovate for the Funny. sake of innovating. Funny Don't enough, that was the first line of the article oh, that wow. I'm actually quoting <laughs> from. Um, yeah. okay. And, and um, to come back to Rodi's point about why they're innovating, this was in the midst of their feud when Pepsi-Cola was actually getting to uh, um, a lot more numbers and stealing some of the market share away from them. And that was the reason that they innovated. But I think they right. just could have done a better job of not alienating their existing clientele. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, the, and that's also something that you see many times in innovation that we see our competitor doing doing something. So we have to do something as well. Um, mm. So again, I don't say you, you don't have to do anything, but always make sure that you understand why you do what you do, and not just you know. See, you see it all, all, also with, for example, technologies. Uh, I, I had a in a training once, uh, well, multiple times actually. People come up to me, for example, saying, okay, we need to do something with blockchain with our company. And I ask, okay, but why? Well, because our competitors are doing it. Okay, that could be a trigger to think of it, but always yeah. make sure that you realize why you are doing it and what the problem is you're trying to solve then and for who, and not just yeah. do it because there's this technology. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, there was... There was even a video yesterday in one of the trainings um, and it was of Steve Jobs and he spoke about um, innovating but always keeping the client in mind. So don't innovate because you have the capability of innovating, but innovate because the client wants something different. Innovate for your client. And I think that's something that a lot of companies need to keep in mind when making these changes. Exactly. So that, that's basically one of the other big pitfalls in innovation that uh, we don't keep the customer or user in mind uh, and actually what you want is to be human centric so always have the people in mind that you're trying to come up with an innovation for yeah yeah for sure wow 
Interesting. So uh, moving on then, um, innovation, uh, sorry, Rodi, do you have a innovation tip of the week for us? I definitely have. My innovation tip of the week is to keep things small because what we see a lot in, in practice is that um, people and organizations that are innovating, they make a too big of a project uh, from day one, uh, which means it feels like another uh, to-do thing on the to-do list, but we're already so busy with our day-to-day. Um, it requires then a lot of time and probably also a lot of money in order to get started. And that's one of the, the, the biggest things that happens in innovation. We make it too big from day one. While you can start very, very small and take small steps and each step of the way learn and uh, get a clearer understanding of what your next step should be. So, and it can be literally uh, as small as uh, having an understanding of, for example, how you do a good brainstorming session and having some uh, valuable tools and techniques that will help you to come up with much more ideas than you will probably get out of your brainstorming session right now. And if you understand a technique like that, you don't have to introduce a whole innovation project from day one. You can start with effective brainstorming. And of course, that's not enough for a successful innovation project. But if you have an understanding of multiple tools and techniques that will help you to innovate, you can just start implementing these in, for example, already scheduled meetings. So then it doesn't have to have to eat up extra time from people. You, you can be the one if you... Um, know these techniques and tools you can be the one starting to implement them and just start doing them you know so and you can do that already in that meeting that you have planned tomorrow you know yeah. so that's that's always my tip um, don't start to sell a huge project in your company from day one uh, a lot of times you will get people that get reluctant to say, oh that's that's too too risky that's also another thing by the way then it feels too risky and what you want in an innovation process is to make it, uh, to reduce the risk every step of the way. And that's yeah. also what you do if you make things small and make it into uh, bite-sized chunks. So that's my tip of the week, make it small. Yeah, it's a really good one. So, I mean, I suppose that that goes really well with uh, a lot of people say that they wanna make an innovation culture. And I suppose starting small would would kind of be a key to that because you know you, um you don't have to be overwhelmed if you start small then um you can make it like a really daily thing that you do and then the, the more consistent you do it the more ingrained it will become into your in your culture so chad do you have any thoughts on that um i do um we speak a lot about how people resist change and i think this is a way that um, if you make these small changes and before taking your next step, sort of use what you've learned from that step, uh, the previous step, in order to educate yourself on what your next step should then be. Making those small incremental changes will uh, allow you to receive less of that resistance from people as well, which I think was is a very po powerful position to be in when you're trying to do these innovations, which in turn can turn the entire project into a much bigger innovation because you're taking such small steps um, and not spending as much money and time on doing these things that you would have if you just took one large step. Yeah, I, I suppose um, make it, making small steps give, 
sort of makes you more agile and you're able to pivot at key key positions like that where you need to pivot yeah definitely exactly exactly yeah and so, of course so, it takes time i mean it's you don't yeah. do this overnight but uh um it actually helps to build that culture of innovation because yeah. it's come it becomes easier for people to to uh, join in or because it doesn't eat up too much time from day one um, or to see those first small steps and the successes that came out of that and then they might be um, more willing to join in the next step for example yeah. so there's all, all kind of things that that will help you in to succeed uh, by making it small from day one yeah, and then can... once once you go uh, through the process and have made steps um, then you can allocate time and budget when you see that you're in the right going in the right direction you know so yeah you don't have to allocate that budget from day one that big budget but just as you improve and and see where you have to go and succeed I, I think a lot of companies don't realize just how early they can prove traction on projects and prove that that is you are actually solving the, the correct problem definitely yeah. or, or right. uh, find find out in time that they are on the wrong track and they yeah. can kill that that direction and go in another direction yeah, yeah yeah sometimes the small changes can make the biggest uh, results definitely yeah and you can loop that background to what chad um chad segment on coca-cola maybe instead of changing the entire recipe all at once they, they could have uh, brought it to market in a much smaller way yeah yeah amazing so are we ready to move on to my segment which is the uh innovation tool of the week so so my innovation tool of the week today is a um, it's a development platform called Bubble.io. Um, Bubble.io. The really interesting thing about it, um, I only found out about this uh, last week, by the way, but um, it, it looks amazing, and I, I've seen some of the projects that they they it's able to make, and it's really good. But the key thing about it is that um, it's for making apps, uh, specifically web apps. Um, however, you don't actually need any coding. So um, this is a bit different to sort of like your website makers, um, like the big ones like WordPress and things like that, which don't require coding also. But um, this one is, is for making actual applications that have real functionality on web pages. So from the ground up, you can sort of make things that handle databases. Um, there's all sorts you can do on it. So, so you can make booking software, um, shopping software. Um, things like that. So the reason that I am bringing this up on an innovation podcast is because in terms of sort of um, uh, making a prototype, um, this is a really scalable option. So uh, what Rodi brought up in, in the small steps kind of thing, um, this is a really good option in terms of instead of, um, you know, getting your development team or hiring code, ho coders to make your prototype, um, why not look at options where um, you don't actually need those skills in order to make a prototype get, get uh, started and prove traction. So does that sound like a good tool for you guys or... Well, definitely. Um, and, and as you said, Connor, it, it also resonates with keeping things small uh, because one of the uh, the pitfalls also is that once you go to the, the, the step of prototyping in an innovation process, and many uh, companies fall into the build trap, as we call it. So they, if you're working on an app, they start to uh, develop an app, you know, so hire someone who can build the whole technical backbone, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't even prove traction yet. Yeah. So yeah. tools like these, uh, which you can use yourself uh, with your team, you can probably build your first draft of a prototype in well, a couple of hours, maybe. 
So again, uh, low effort, uh, low budget, uh, not too much time, and then start testing, and and then see if it's if you're on the right track or not. So yeah. definitely yeah. a good one. Definitely, I absolutely love this as a as a step between um, that wireframing uh, stage where you're sort of moving the things for the person to a step where you can actually see how everything works and fits together, how the person interacts with something that would look and feel like an app, but wouldn't be the actual app um, or web page. And um, I think it's exactly as Rodi says, uh, not falling, in, falling into the bull trap where you're getting a lot of people um, spending their time and money on this in your company, rather just do it yourself. Take a couple of hours out. It's only one person's time. It's a lot, lot, quicker and cheaper than uh, getting the entire design team on it. Yeah. And actually a, a good point there is um, compared to the wireframes, uh, this is actually so scalable that I, I think it could wind up being your end product if, if you want to stick with it. So that's a really interesting aspect as well. But at the same time, you know, you don't need much to get started. So it's definitely good for sort of both ends of, of the high, uh, low fidelity prototype and high fidelity prototype. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Amazing. That if, you, if you start to uh, 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 hire people and build this technical backbone, etc., for your app from day one. If you first, if if it's your first step in prototyping, uh, and you're going to spend uh, uh, quite some time and money on it, it becomes harder and harder to kill the idea yeah. if it doesn't work because you already spent so much time and money. So that's that that then can be a reason in itself to try to push it forward to make it a success because you don't want to go back to your manager and saying, oh, sorry, we spent $50,000 on this, uh, but it didn't work, sorry. Is it okay if we kill it and move on to another thing? I don't think that's a good message to to, uh, to try to get across to your, to your decision makers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, for sure, for sure. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So with that being said, I think it's time to wrap up this episode. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, you've been listening to episode six of the Innovation Conversation, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to episode six of the Innovation Conversation, brought to you by Innovation Network. You can find us by going to www.innovationnetwork.online.